into the Gospel of Matthew when you realize that Jesus has some pretty seedy roots. In the tinted halo society, there are 47 names listed in Matthew chapter 1. That genealogy of those 47 names spans some 21 centuries of life on this earth. Now, most are unpronounceable, so I'm not even going to try and embarrass myself here tonight. But sufficient to say, in those 47 names of the genealogy, the family roots of Jesus, but there's a lot that are really not so great. But what's amazing is that list ends in a stable. In a starry night with one name that is above every other name. And that name is Jesus, of course. Which in Hebrews means Savior. At the end of that long list of names, Matthew tells us there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. 14 from David to the exile of Babylon. And 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Most readers of Matthew's Gospels or Luke's, even Luke's Christmas account, don't even take time to read through that list, many of them, of unfamiliar names. But for those who do, and here's what I want you to really lock on to tonight. For those who do take the time to read through that genealogy and really take time to ponder it, to think about it, they're going to be given a spiritual gem that is going to totally change your outlook towards God in a deeper way. What are you going to find if you go home and you focus and meditate on that genealogy of Jesus. What's really in the family tree of God's ancestors, Jesus' ancestors? Well, let me sum it up for you. Liar. Deceiver. Schemer. Certainly faithful followers, but there are some murderers in Jesus' family tree. There's at least one adulterer, pretty famous one. There are faithful warriors, but there are also just as many, if not more, idol worshipers. I mean idol worshipers of the worst kind. Because there's also child sacrificers in the family tree of Jesus. 
Sure, there are some great reformers, but there's no doubt a lot of polygamists. And there's even a few prostitutes. All related to the family roots of the Son of God. That's why I entitled these thoughts about the manger tonight as simply a who's who of the good, the bad, and yes, folks, the ugly. If anything, I am here to tell you tonight that that genealogy that we don't even many times bother to read in the Christmas account, that we skim over at very best, that genealogy is the very theme of the Christmas story. You see, it reminds us that Jesus came to heal broken lives and to restore shattered hope. Characters that made up Jesus' family tree, if you'll let me just share a few with you here for a moment. You don't have to get very far in the list in Matthew's account to find right at the very beginning a liar. Sure, Abraham is held up as a great, faithful man of God who followed him all the way into a foreign land. He became the father of all nations just as it was promised. But don't forget, he was prone to lying to save his own skin. And subsequently, he put his own wife in some really, really compromising situations. I don't have time to go into it, but let's just say he wouldn't be at the top of our list to speak at our marriage enrichment weekend in the Dallas church. Then he unfairly, he unfairly banished his Egyptian concubine, Hagar, and their son Ishmael to wander in the desert. And in the Middle East, it's fair to say we've been paying the price for that decision ever since. Now that's the first person Matthew mentions in the family tree of Jesus. And like I said, you don't have to go very far, folks, to find a liar and someone who did some pretty bad things. But then we get to the great, 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 and I don't have time for all the other greats, the great-grandfather, Jacob. Man, what do you say about Jacob? I'll tell you how I could sum it up. That guy was slippery enough to warrant an electric ankle bracelet. Let's just leave it there. But that's one of the great, 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 great grandfathers of the Son of Man. And then we skip over a whole bunch of other interesting characters in that family tree, and we get to David. Matthew, I love how he pictures David for us 
as he's writing his gospel specifically to the Jews to really help them see who the Messiah was and what his roots certainly became. Matthew mentions Jesse, the father of King David. Great. Good guy. Now we're getting into some really respectable bloodlines in the family tree of Jesus. But notice if you read it that Matthew didn't write, did not write David the hero. David the slayer of Goliath. David the great psalmist. Or even David the man after God's own heart. Let me share with you what he writes just about David in Matthew 1 verse 6 of the genealogy. And Jesse, the father of King David, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Now let me just say this, to a Jew, there's no mistake in it. Matthew profiles David's lust, his betrayal, his covetedness, and his murder of Uriah in that account of the genealogy. Other historians might bury these details. Matthew actually goes out of his way to highlight them. David was one day writing psalms and another day he was seducing his captain's wife. And Matthew wanted to remind you and I and all those Jews just who's in that family tree of Jesus. Solomon. Well, of course he's on the list. Consider the wisest man who ever lived, built the glorious first temple, penned more than 3,000 proverbs, historians record. Only a fraction of which we have recorded in the Bible. But Solomon kept 300 concubines. Married some 700 women in addition to that for political alliances. And the Bible simply says because of that in later years they turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. Boy, there's so many other characters in the family tree that Matthew in Matthew 1 wants you to know before he even goes into the birth of Christ. How about Rehoboam? He reigned over the United Kingdom of Israel until it split. Then he reigned over the southern kingdom of Judah. This guy, Rehoboam, had 18 wives. And that would throw our whole banquet numbers off between Rehoboam, Solomon, David. How would you even figure out the seating in here at these tables of 10? 
But the Bible says in addition to that, Rehoboam had 60 concubines. And 2 Chronicles 12 records he did evil because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. This is what's recorded in the family Bible of Jesus' roots. And one more that I just have to read to you if you want to see the seedy past of the Son of God. Look at Manasseh. Manasseh in 2 Kings 21 verse 2. It says, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. According to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. For he rebuilt high places. He erected altars for Baal and made an Asherah. He burned his son as an offering and used fortune tellers and omens and dealt with mediums. And with necromancers, he did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Manasseh shed very much innocent blood, innocent blood, till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to the other. Besides the sin that he made Judah to sin, so that they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Yeah, Manasseh. Oh, he's mentioned in that family tree of Jesus. And then the last thing that is probably the most incredible thing, the angels are coming in, by the way. I told you they were with us. But the most incredible thing, perhaps, of all these genealogies, recordings, is that it actually includes, and this is mind-boggling to a Jew, it includes women. There are only four women mentioned in Matthew 1, other than Mary, who's the fifth. But those four women, just to be mentioned, is unbelievable to a Jew. Back then, that just wasn't acceptable practice. But Matthew and the Holy Spirit wants to make note they are part of the roots of this little baby born in a manger. And uh, I hate to say it, sisters, but those four women represent four scandals. And you know, the fifth one does too, Mary, because the birth was scandalous. But what's amazing is it's hard to escape the sense that they are listed amazingly in the genealogy of Jesus because of the inclusion of the scandals in who Jesus had his roots in. We've already briefly touched on Bathsheba, so I'll just leave her alone. But did you know that three of the women, and you're going to love this, three of the women in his lineage were of a different race other than Jewish. I would wager most of you, if not all of you, didn't even know that. Jesus was Jewish, but he had Gentile cells running all through him. 
Three of those women are Gentiles, and scholars will even argue that Bathsheba was a Gentile. Real, real racial outsiders. And in this day and age when we are hypersensitive to race, what a refreshing view afresh the manger is to us with that in mind. Tamar is mentioned. She's a Canaanite, not even a Jew. She seduces her father-in-law so that she can become pregnant. Ruth. Yeah, Ruth is there, of course, and you know what? We forget she's a Moabite. You say, so what a bite? Who cares? But in Deuteronomy 23, the Bible says this in verse 3, No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord even to the tenth generation. None of them may enter the assembly of the Lord. Jesus has a Moabite in his family tree, in his bloodline. Moabites are clearly not welcome. But Matthew makes sure to mention Ruth, a woman, and include him in the story. And then you've got finally Rahab. Mentioned in the great roll call of faith, remember? Rahab, also from Canaan, who, by the way, was straight up a hooker, a prostitute. Hey, I'm not making this up, and I can say this because it's in the Bible. Let that really, really sink in. The Messiah had a prostitute in his family lineage. You see, Jesus didn't just love and forgive the prostitutes and the Gentiles. They were part of his family. Even the crimson stream of the Son of God was not pure-blooded, but had Gentile blood. We would do well to remember that in our great region. The next time someone comes up here and does something culturally that's a little uncomfortable. You'd probably be a little uncomfortable with the family reunion of Jesus. I love all the press that the press now has given Prince Henry and Meghan Markle and the fact that she's biracial and we're now mature enough that we could even with the crown in England handle that. Man, Jesus was so cutting edge on that stuff, the crown has finally caught up with him. And I, I just really want you to look afresh this evening at the cradle at the cross. I'm reminded in Matthew 3, verse 9, when John the Baptist comes on the scene shortly after the birth of Christ, and he tells the Jews this very famous statement, and do not think you can say to yourselves, we have 
Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. Boy, I think John had a little insight into the family tree of which he was also related to in the lineage of Jesus. And I just want you to see that Gentiles were always, always a part of God's divine plan for the Christ child in his birth. As we prepare to take communion here this evening, let me conclude with two very brief insights from this study. The first one is I've got some real, we fit perfectly into the family of Jesus. Why did Jesus hang his family's dirty laundry out on the neighborhood clothesline for all to see? Because your family and my family has some too. Perhaps an uncle with a prison record. Or the dad who was an alcoholic. Or the mother who ran away at your birth with the co-worker. You see, I just want you to see here as you're about to break bread and drink that crimson cup, that if your family has some bruised fruit, then Jesus wants you to know, I've been there too. If there's anything, anything that can give us comfort, strength, and encouragement from the genealogy of Jesus, it's this. Jesus' earthly family was filled with mega dysfunction. It's not the nice, neat, and pretty family tree that you and I would have expected of the Son of God. It's a long line of sinners and it sets us up perfectly for the angelic message to those shepherds on that starry night when those angels who I think we've come to even more appreciate after this last month come and say, he will save his people from their sins. The bloodline of Christ exposes a need for the blood of Christ. And it gives us hope as we realize that no matter how crazy our families are, there's certainly a place for you and I in Jesus' family. And then secondly and finally, I think the other thing we can learn from this study is that God's faithfulness is absolutely amazing. Here's another amazing thought. Despite the despicable and dishonorable actions and behavior 
of some of Jesus' ancestors. God remained true through centuries to his promise to bring the Messiah to the lineage of David. Listen to this scripture in 2 Chronicles 21 now, afresh. It says, but the Lord did not want to destroy David's dynasty, for he had made a covenant with David and promised that his descendants would continue to rule, shining like a lamp forever. While many, like us, forsook and broke the promise to follow God wholeheartedly, God never once forsook them. He remained faithful to the promise made to David until it concluded with the righteous reign of Jesus. As we now before our meal break this bread and drink this cup, just like the first century did over a meal. Let me share with you one final scripture that I believe brings it all together in Hebrews 2. But the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So again, what do you have in this genealogy that sets up the whole account of the birth of Christ. Yeah, you have prostitution. You have adultery in a lot of it. You have incredible betrayal, incest, murder, idolatry. The scandalous and dysfunctional family whose bloodline ran straight to that manger and the cells of the man God. You see, Matthew and the Holy Spirit wanted us to see it all. The good, the bad, and the ugly. For we are all welcomed and invited. No one is excluded from the manger or from the grace 
of our incredible God. With that in mind, let's bow as we give thanks for this great news. Father, we truly marvel at the depth of lessons that we can see in the birth of your son, Jesus. We are thankful that you don't hide family secrets, but that you remind us of the bloodline that ran straight to your very heart and your very selves. Thank you that you have been faithful to us when we have certainly been unfaithful at times to you. And we rejoice and we express our gratitude for your patience, your long-suffering, your relatability, and your love for each and every one of us, imperfect as we are. Thank you that this bread and cup represents that we can truly be a part of your eternal family through the cross of Jesus. Amen. Redeemer and friend Who would have thought That a lamb could Rescue the souls of men Oh, you rescue the souls of men Count the 
myself. 